Well, hello and welcome to The Bright Side here on News Radio 93.1, also 5.40 a.m. Antimeridian. No, I think that's the time. I am Joel Hunter, and I'm here with your host, Joel C. Hunter. Hello. That's my father, wise and in charge. (laughs) Am I in charge? The puppet master. I had no idea. I'm I'm reading the script uh, that you have written for me, and it's, it's really good. So today we are talking about... Uh, the same thing we always talk about, which is uh, ways of helping others, helping you help others. And uh, the specific topic today is this idea of communicating beyond words. Pop, what was the what was the idea <laughs> behind communicating beyond words? Well, when you're dealing with people, uh, especially people in need, you have to be able to read them beyond their stories, mm-hmm. um, or you'll get drawn into the drama, and and you will only take. Um, what they are telling you in the most literal fashion, and 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 there's always an emotion, there's always a background, there's always a there's always a a thing that they're trying to get to, mm-hmm. um, and and so not only with people in need, but everybody has some sort of agenda. They don't say exactly what they mean, and so when our research department, who happens to be sitting uh, in the room with us tonight, um. uh, when 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 she said, "What should we talk about?" I said. Let's do a program on how to actually read people beyond what they're saying. Yeah, because it, it not only comes in handy having some skills in deciphering and communicating the correct body language, but it also, uh, it not only comes in handy just when you're dealing with uh, the marginalized and people that you might be in some sort of helping, reaching out kind of role, but also just in daily life. You Absolutely. Know? If you talk to the guy behind you in the supermarket and he's baring his teeth at you. That's an aggressive stance. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Let this, that, is no, this is not a good thing. He should go right ahead of you. Be like, you've had a rough day, sir. My, my years of body language expertise have shown me uh, the way you're beating your chest lets me know you, you're feeling aggressive. One of the things I think people have the most difficulty interpreting, uh, and I'm in this group, I'm a, I'm a people, is the problem of silence. Yeah. You know, and when yeah. you've, uh, uh, you've said something, uh, or you're in a group where somebody said something, and then there's just silence. Uh, and I, uh, there was this interesting article about there's different types of silence, which I thought was really helpful because uh, there is such a thing as just helpful silence, you know, or 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 silence that is uh, not necessarily indicating there's some miscommunication. But oftentimes it does mean there's some kind of miscommunication. There's there's called there's something called the silent treatment. Yeah, <laughs> it's when people are silent on purpose, mm-hmm. uh, the, and most likely it's some sort of passive aggressive behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, they know they want to keep you guessing, and they want to they want you to either come over to their side or yeah. So so, but that's not always the case, mm-hmm. and and those people who are um, used to conflict might read all silence as either being passive aggressive or um, or disagreement and so on and so forth. Uh, but that's not always what it means. Yeah, I think it's true with any unspoken part of communication, whether it's body language, facial expression, tone, or silence, we have a tendency to insert whatever our, our own natural either insecurity yeah, or point yeah. of confidence into that. So if you're somebody where you think, no one would be interested in what I have to say. You take silence to mean indifference. Yeah. If you're somebody who's worried about your ability to communicate stuff clearly, you take it as I've confused this person. Yeah. And uh, and so 
I take it uh, when I talk to someone and they're silent, I'm like, this person thinks I'm the greatest. <laughs> they can't. I even, like that. They just can't <laughs> even. They can't wrap their heads around it. They're starstruck. <laughs> this is fantastic. These people. <laughs> yeah. I'll usually just with, without even asking, just do my autograph on the palm of their hand. And uh, I know it ends most conversations. Uh, so I don't know. Most I, of them walk away I might satisfied. Have, I might have. I might have something to learn from today's from today's talk. Um, um, so I thought I thought a couple of interesting versions of silence uh, were uh, the ones based on the difference in hierarchy, whether it's a work hierarchy or if it's some kind of social hierarchy. Th those those silences can sometimes uh, determine. Uh, well, those hierarchies can determine what that silence means. You yeah. know, so uh, if if you get done explaining something and you're in a position of authority, that yeah. can often mean either. Uh, I have questions, but I'm afraid to ask, or I don't agree with you, but I'm afraid to say anything to right, you. Yeah. Right, right. What do you think, uh, as, have you had, have you experienced that? How do you, how do you pick up on that vibe? A lot. <laughs> well, part of what this article explained, and I thought this was really good, is to um, decrease the perceived difference between the speaker who comes um, in a position of authority and someone who may disagree, but may be afraid to disagree out loud. And so they just kind of keep silence. And you and you wonder, how am I going to actually draw out of them what they're really thinking? Mm -hmm. um, one of the money lines I thought was um, to be able to say, um, look, I'm, what I'm proposing here is just kind of an idea. It's up for revision. Mm -hmm. um, what, what obvious... Uh, mistakes do you see in it, or how would you craft it mm -hmm. to be a little bit more like um, what would be accurate? And that gives them permission then to kind of address the subject and put their own ideas in. Yeah, and kind of to dovetail with that, there uh, there are few people who are experts in literally all of the things, you know. And so most of the time, when you're in a position of authority. You may be in a position of authority for, you know, what your company specifically is doing or your organization or this group that you're a part of, whether it's a family dyna uh, dynamic or not. But it's unlikely that you have expertise over everyone in the room on every subject, right. you know. And so I feel like identifying in someone their specific gift that they have that's greater than yours, their yeah. artistic yeah. talent that's greater than yours, yeah. uh, and just admitting Hey, I can't hold a candle to what you can do with how we could word this. You know, what, right. what would you? How would you do that? Um, I know that in meetings where I uh, have have been talking to someone, where you know, business meetings where most of the business stuff's totally over my head, but then they'll turn to me and say, you know, how would we communicate this? That that lets me speak, you know, because yeah. I feel like I can um, I can word good. Oh, the, is it, what I you know. <laughs> and and before we get out of this whole uh, thing, we we can address the silence uh, uh, part. But I want to hear about your interest in copywriting, the skill of saying exactly and precisely in words what will draw others into the conversation. Yeah, well, it has a lot to do. I mean, when when you're doing this copywriting stuff that has to, the idea of copywriting is how do you write something that makes somebody uh, move towards a specific goal that you want them to move? It could be towards joining an organization. It could be towards helping this thing. It could be towards sales. That's what it usually is. Um and it's it's kind of the same idea of, as what we're going to be talking about today about this stuff that's beyond words. There is a there is an emotion behind our communication that if you can tap into that emotional part, 
uh, you reach a lot farther than even if you use the the best words, you know, the the biggest yeah, best words. Right. Uh, it's it's much more about keeping it simple. One of the things that I liked was in this uh, in this article about different types of silence was when you have miscommunication or you can tell that you're the reason for silence in the room is that you are talking. Uh, either above someone's head or you're saying stuff that makes no sense and you don't know that it makes no <laughs> sense. And all you're getting back is just looks of dazed confusion. Um, I loved the wording of this because I have always said, I learned uh, something from this because I've always said, um, is there any part of this that isn't clear? Or is it, you know, what part of this can I make more clear? But the wording of this of mm. what, if anything, have I communicated? I, I really like that because it it lets people speak to like, well, here's the part I was with you on, right. and and so by process of elimination, I feel like that's a better way to get towards a common ground where you understand each other rather than saying, well, what did I do wrong? There's almost yeah. a defensive posture yeah. in the other one, um, but what if I communicated uh, well? Uh, you just have to be ready for them to be like, absolutely not. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I couldn't get a word you said. Couldn't repeat a word you said. <laughs> I, uh, I will never forget one time I spent uh, a solid six, seven minutes when I worked at the Veterans Hospital explaining uh, this, this really kind, kindly old gentleman. I, explained it, I was explaining his cataracts to him and why this was a different type and what that would mean for the surgery and going through and I, you drawing things and all this stuff. And I finished all that and I was like, do you have any questions about this? And then he said, I speak a small English. And then I went, oh, no. And so it's important to know your audience. You know, I, I learned a lot that day. Start off with just a little bit of conversation. Don't jump right in. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about conversation, both the word part of it and the rest of it. Welcome back to The Bright Side. I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with your host, Dr. Joel Hunter, my father. Hello. Uh, we are talking today about communicating beyond words. Uh, and you probably, if you just tuned in, you're like, how on earth? <laughs> Especially well, over radio. Yeah, well, you can't a, see all the gestures we're doing. Yeah, here. exactly. They're really effective. One of the things about <laughs> doing this over radio is uh, you have to, if you're going to communicate beyond words, you have to seem like you're smiling. I hold a pencil between my teeth uh, horizontally so that I, that's how I sound so bright and cheery. Uh, so communicating beyond words, the reason this matters when it comes to helping people, which is the overall thematic cohesion about this show, is when you are trying to work with people, uh, communication, whether it's with the team that you're working with or the people that you're helping, uh, it's something that gets uh, screwed up a lot of times. The devil's in the details. That's you know? right. Yeah. Uh, and you can say stuff uh, and have it not come out the way you wanted, and you can hear stuff and not hear the thing people are trying to say. Exactly. Uh, so we started off talking a little bit about silence and how to interpret silence when it's usually you know, indicating something not so great. Um, what are some times where silence is, is helpful? Yeah, well, silence is helpful when you're angry and you know that you're not going to communicate something um, that will probably uh, be listened to more than defended against. Hmm. Um, because as soon as, for example, when you say, when you, <laughs> when you start off a sentence with, you know what you always do, and it has a, it has a hmm. pointed finger attached to it, um, nobody's going to hear anything you say. Yeah. The, the, the defensive walls go up. What are the, in a spaceship, like in Star Trek, what do what they call those? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, um, the, the, uh, uh, hold on. No, it's uh, uh, not tractor beams. It's the- Come on, uh, producer Tom. Tom. What is that? Yeah, when come they, on. they put up the spaceship, the shield around the it. The shields. Uh, oh. uh, yeah, the shields. Isn't they called the shields? 
Shield, shields up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, yeah, but that happens, you yeah. know, in in a personal conversation. Mm-hmm. And when you feel like you're about to get um, denounced or accused, um, you won't be listening as much as you will be um, withdrawing and defending. And so, for those of us who something sets us off. Um, we, we just need to know that we are going to probably miscommunicate more than we're going to communicate as long as those emotions are, are riding high. Um, and we've got to wait for a while to those go, for those to go down. Yeah. Emotions are, I mean, it's this, that's most of what we're talking about today, but emotions, they really do supercharge and oversaturate any sort of logical contribution contribution that you would give to a conversation. I mean, that point that you had about if you're pointing your finger, no, if you, no one ever says, you know what you always do? You always leave the house cleaner than when you found it. Uh, it it's, it's never, uh, it's, right. it's, if you're saying you, you know what you always do, it's, it's going to, it's going to be taking something that might be a valid, helpful, communicative thing that would be overall relationship building. Cause it's not good to let stuff just fester and fester until you explode. Um, but instead you're using it as a, as a cudgel rather than something that's going to help. The same is true. I I heard this quote one time of, of never make threats when you're angry and never make promises when you're in a just over exuberant good mood. Oh, that's Uh, a good idea. And it's, it's really, I mean, it's pretty good because emotions can do the same thing on the other end. Um, it's, it's take advantage of a good mood, make everyone around you feel good and happy and all that stuff. Um, but realize that things that you are saying there's an emotional charge behind those things that can that can muddy the waters on what you might say if you were just in your regular even keel. Yeah. Dude, if you're one of those people who's lucky enough to always be in a good mood, God bless you. The that, world. That's right. The world May needs your more tribe increase. That's right. Um, so a, a good time to stay silent is if you. Uh, it, it all comes down to the to the old wisdom of if you can't say something nice, you that's just right. don't say anything at yeah, all. That's right. Um, the uh, the other one that I thought was helpful uh, is is when you uh, when you have. Uh, Fools in front of you. <laughs> there's, a, there's a biblical saying about pearls and swine. Yeah, you know, exactly. Don't cast your pearls before swine. You know what? The, the Bible, uh, it, gets, it gets sometimes made fun of in our, in our highly enlightened scientific society today. But they had some really. They, they threw some lines it's around all in there. Good, yeah. yeah, when they're when they're <laughs> when they're all when they're saying don't don't cast your pearls before swine. That's that's hard stuff to hear. <laughs> that's uh, right. And that's I mean Jesus is saying that. You know, it's a. Um, but it's but it really is accurate. You know, there's this uh, there's this saying of you know don't ever try to mud wrestle with a pig because you'll end up muddy and the pig will enjoy it. Or don't try to play yeah, chess with a pigeon because they'll knock the pieces off and poop on the board. <laughs> uh, and. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's not in the Bible, is it? <laughs> that is Proverbs 32. Most people think it ends at 31, but there's just a, good, a bunch of good verses right in a row. <laughs> you've, you've discovered another piece of Apocrypha. <laughs> that's right. But, it's, uh, but it really is true. Uh, people that really, there's a lot of people, not everyone, but people that really enjoy engaging in the confrontation, yeah. a lot of time it is for them sport. Uh, it is something that they, there's an aggression there that's not really rooted in a wise, holistic understanding of all the issues. It's just you're arguing with somebody that at best you'll walk away l- not super frustrated, but but that's rare. I mean, it really is, and you're not going to change any points. I feel like many, many Many political conversations follow this exact thing. Absolutely. Uh, I I have to practice this constantly in clinic because I'll hear people that will, and it's on both sides. Uh, yeah. It's it, But like people will be like, 
um, boy, that Obama was an idiot. Or uh, the next patient would be like, boy, this Trump's stupid. And uh, the only thing, I, the only response to that that you can have that's helpful at all is silence. And then, then you're like, and then luckily I can be like, well, let me look inside your eyeballs. <laughs> Can't do that in the grocery store. <laughs> but in clinic. Oh, no, I might try. <laughs> yeah. If push comes that's to right. shove, Just, if you I learned cl- this from my son. Yeah, let me look get, into your eyeball. Get close enough. That'll, that'll scare him right off. Just get right, eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> and be like, that, be like, that guy brought the intensity. <laughs> but there are a lot yeah. of people, what you're saying, Joel, is absolutely right. There are a lot of people who enjoy conversation just to bait you mm-hmm. into some sort of frustration. You know, their four-year-olds are infamous for um, if they can't get your attention in a positive way, they'll get it in a negative way. Mm-hmm. They just want the attention. Yeah. And the fact that they can get somebody with authority so frustrated that their eyes are bugging out, mm-hmm. that, that says, I've got power. Yeah. Exactly. You know, a lot of people are are four year olds walking around in four year old bodies. Yeah, that that is really that's really accurate. No, it's that's true. And one of the things that's interesting about this is because it is nonverbal communication. It's it's under the skin. It's not really worn out there so that everybody can see it. Um, it's people miss something that's a natural survival mechanism in the physical realm. You naturally avoid physical confrontation from with a guy who looks like he's got nothing to lose. Right. You know, if if a guy <laughs> looks super dangerous and you're like, that man definitely doesn't care if he goes to prison, <laughs> most people will will back down if the guy's like, You're in my way. You'll be like, Yes, I am. I'm sorry. But people that have that emotional equivalent yeah. of they don't have anything emotionally to lose, what they're looking for is just to get a rise out of people. Yeah. Um, they you can hide there's people who wear suits who that's where they live, yeah, that's you know. Right. And so it's once you realize that you're getting baited into a conversation where you're like, What is the ultimate outcome here? It's not I'm not gonna draw them to my point. It gets into this slinging match, you get the adrenaline kind of yeah. up. Um, it is extremely helpful to learn the practice of being able to just remain silent and take two deep, purposeful breaths. Even if you are talking to somebody who's who's like wondering why you're staying silent, it, there's 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 power yeah, in being that's silent. Right. That's, um, right. that's that Mark Twain quote. You know, better better to uh, stay silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and re- and remove all doubt. Remove all doubt. That's yeah. right. Uh, Mark Twain. That man. Professional quote maker. You gotta love the guy. I, I mean, who has more quotes? Samuel Clemens. You can't find a topic Mark Twain did <laughs> not know. cover. Like, I know. He'd be like, when disinfecting your pool, make sure to. Like, he, he just had every single thing down uh, from from top to bottom. So um, that's silence. Was there anything else you wanted to add there, about there, silence? Well, there was another one in here I really liked. When you know you're going to have differences of, of opinion with a person and they're uh, unresolvable. Don't go there. Hmm. You know, just don't, you don't need to, especially talk about that, that thing that you differ on. Mm -hmm. Um, Just don't go there. Yeah. Because there's no, going to be no progress made and a lot more damage can be done. Yeah. That's, that's, that is accurate. And that, that is, there's, there's those couple lightning rod topics that everybody's got where it's either uh, religion or politics. Mm -hmm. And I feel like most people, because politics covers a lot. I mean, that covers, I mean, that covers a lot of topics, but uh, it's it's really, really rare to find somebody that you can have an actual conversation where there's a give and take of information and you both walk away feeling more educated, right. respecting the other person more. Right. 
Um, and but it's so, a great goal to have. It is a great goal to have. Uh, it's just, it's important to start in small increments. Find somebody with whom you agree on almost everything and then talk about the one thing that's kind of different. <laughs> uh, but if you are somebody who just got back from your latest Antifa rally, don't go talk to the person in the MAGA hat. Uh, I feel like there's going to be hard, hard, hard to find a way to just resolve those differences between because you'll be speaking uh, different languages in the first place. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about different languages. And uh, I would stick around because we have so many factoids about languages, you won't believe it. I know. Welcome back to The Bright Side here on News Radio 93.1 and also 540 AM. I am here with your host, Dr. Joel C. Hunter. My name's also Joel Hunter. uh, And... uh, I'm a doctor. I'm the less wise kind of doctor. Well, but you're the practical doctor. When it comes to eyeball wisdom, that's my specialty. (laughs) That's right. When it comes to uh, finding your way through life, uh, which is oftentimes more helpful, that's more you, Pop. Well, uh, I'll I'll take them. When you fix their eyes, I'll take them from there. (laughs) So one of the things that you are, I think, an expert on is communicating beyond words, not just, (laughs) and and truthfully though, I mean, part of why people came to watch you and still do when you, when you preach, but why people, you know, you you were a a speaker that people want to hear is because the same exact words, you could read the same exact message, start to start to stop. And if you sit behind a podium or a pulpit yeah. and deliver it in this expressionless monotone, which is kind of is the is the the trope you know that normally happens, uh, nobody wants to hear that. No. You know, um, how did you how did you keep that fresh? I know we're kind of veering off course because this is more public speaking, but just out of curiosity, you know, because there was a period there where you were delivering the same delivering the same sermon sermon seven times over a three yeah. day period. How do you do that? Well, uh, I learned in seminary uh, what not to do uh, in seminary. When I went, they would make us write out the sermon as a manuscript. But people don't think linearly. Mm. They don't think in words. They think in pictures. They think in stories. They think it with emotions. Um, and so I found very early in my ministry uh, somebody who was one of the most effective uh, speakers I'd ever, I'd ever heard who always got up and, and preached without a note. And that, and back in that day, nobody did that. Yeah, hardly anybody did that. Norman Vincent Peale and a few others could do it, uh, but but so I just watched this guy, and I thought, man, that's what I want to do because he was a master teacher, and so I decided very early that instead of reading my sermons, um, I would live them out through stories mm-hmm. and through uh, you know I would I would do the theological work I do the 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 exegesis from original language. I do all of the intellectual stuff because people really do love to learn intellectually. They mm-hmm. want to know more about the Bible, but they also want to know more about the real world and facts from the so I read a lot, but then the way I would communicate it and and the way that fits to what we're talking about tonight is you you live it as you're as you are speaking it. And and people can tell it's a part of your life. I think that leads in really, really well to this this next thing that we were going to talk about, which is how much of the communication, even when using spoken word, uh, as you would in a sermon, even when using spoken word, how much of that communication is nonverbal. Uh, and so 
there is this uh, guy who's uh, you're anyone's famous in a small enough circle. Uh, this guy's famous in the in this uh, circle of nonverbal communication experts. Uh, this guy Morabian, and he did a couple of studies uh, and then compiled his numbers and stuff. And even he is quick to say this is under research conditions and these specific scenarios and stuff like that. But the but the numbers were so striking that they're they're worth communicating. Those numbers were that fifty five percent of what you communicate is body language. 38% is the tone of your voice and 7% is the actual word spoken, which was interesting about that is you hear that at first and you're like, okay, so only 7% of the actual words I'm saying, it doesn't seem believable. But even when you run it through just a few fake scenarios in your head, it, it feels about right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you can say you're a genius and depending on how you say that and what your body language is when you're saying it, you can communicate two very different things. Oh, you're a genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've gotten that. I've gotten that version <laughs> so many times. I keep waiting for somebody that's like, or I just wish I would interpret it wrong and be like, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> the, the way to say it, the opposite end of the spectrum is like your mom. You know, you're a genius yeah, and that's she true. really means it. Yeah, and you know what? I should clarify. I, I do hear that I'm a genius about twice a week. Week. It's always from my mom, which means more than if 20 other people said it. That's right. I don't need to hear a single other. My mom thinks I'm smart. I'm going to make a T-shirt that says that. My mom thinks I'm smart. But it is true that uh, the nonverbal part of communication, it, it communicates what you are it communicates what you have in your heart, whether or not it's what you're trying to say to the person. Uh, and so um, it's it's really, really it's why it's so hard to speak coherently or convincingly when you are angry or when you are depressed. Uh, it's, it's really hard. It's the same thing disciplining a kid when, what, when you think what they did is hilarious, yeah. you know, there's, there's nonverbal communication. Right. Uh, it goes both ways. Uh, and it's, uh, I remember this was not that long ago. <laughs> Lena, I don't even know where she learned. I swear it's not from me. I was like, Lena, you need to go to your room now. And she turned and held up her middle finger to me, but like fa with her palm facing me, like, uh, and, and wasn't even like lifted straight up. It was just pointed at me. Uh, and, and she's four and all tiny and man, it was, it was a challenge because you can't, you know, no matter what you're going to say about that, she's going to pick up on the fact that you thought that was delightful. I know. I know. So anyone that's behind her in traffic for the rest of her life, I am very sorry um, because that 55% is body language and 38% is tone of voice. Um, but I feel like that's something that you probably really picked up on and and took advantage of uh, for good purposes well, early and, on. And and the way our culture is going, um, it's even becoming more so because we came out of a literary era where we thought in terms of words and the precision of words, but now we are very visually oriented. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to pick up the cues visually even more than they used to, um, and because that's that's how we've been attuned. We spend half of our lives on a screen now, yeah, um, instead of reading books, yeah. Um, and so, if you want to be an effective communicator, um, you're going to have to deal with uh, people interpreting and sometimes over-interpreting. You know, I always get tickled when people claim they're experts in body language. You know, yeah, and then they'll go for <laughs> yeah. you know, notice the crossed arms, and and uh, that means they're a closed, they're in a closed position, yeah. posture is closed, and uh, and I think that's that's probably overdoing it there. It really, you know, is. maybe it, they just want to cross their arms. It, it really is. I feel like those uh, people that do that, they've got like four or five different business cards. One says handwriting expert, <laughs> one says body language expert. 
expert. That's right. One says lip reading. Astrologer. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much anything that you just have a wide range of interpretation <laughs> that people could be like, I could see that. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. seems to make sense. Well, part of what you're saying about we we are transitioning or have transitioned out of a literary age into more of this uh, nonverbal cues and the screens in front of us. Uh, if you look at letter writing from 200 years ago and oh, letter writing man. today, holy cow. I was reading, I read that John Adams book uh, by David McCullough, and you read the letters that he and his wife wrote. Oh my gosh. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah. Now, uh, granted, John Adams, pretty far end of the bell curve as far as intelligence, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, I, I look at the best letter I've ever written. It's all like, hey, boy, it's hot today. <laughs> man, my stomach hurts. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, thinking about going to Disney maybe next week. I'm not sure. Anyway, hit me back. And then you read John Adams, and you're like, ooh, I'm not smart. But I think maybe it is. Maybe I'm exactly as smart as John Adams. It's just that whole literary yeah. age. Oh, man. Um, but I do think it, it is important to realize that the, the medium of communication really has shifted away from books and long-form letter writing into text messaging, short messages, email now is is the equivalent of like long form letter writing oh, yeah. and and very few people oh, have the time to do that. Yeah. And so now it's now it's just text messaging where uh, that has its own set of uh, phonetics and yeah. spelling and grammar that is just widely accepted. Like it's 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 totally fine. I've never sounded older than I do right it now. Will. But it's it's true that that stuff has has changed over time uh, to where uh, it's not necessarily the the lyricism of what you're saying. It's the communicating points in entirely different ways. Well, you know the the Federalist Papers. If you've ever read those, those are exquisite. Those were written for the general public. Yeah. They, they weren't written for one intellectual to another. They were written. And so there was an expectation that an educated person in the general public would be able to communicate just beautifully and poetically and precisely um, in a way that made um, reason prominent mm -hmm. uh, and evoked uh, a certain... Um, knowledgeable response. Yeah. And so, um, and, and I don't want to get into, boy, ain't we terrible today. Uh, but I'm just saying that the nonverbal cues that we give off are, are probably more important today than they used to be. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to speak to the positive changes that we've made, uh, there's no way I could have stayed awake through a sermon uh, that was delivered in the in the 17 or 1800s because maybe a John Edwards one where he's like you stand over the gates of hell oh yeah, yeah Jonathan Edwards oh, you are yeah. the sinners in the yeah, hands of an angry God right. uh, that, you know to that point they used to have pokers in churches I mean long um, um, sticks long sticks oh, I thought you meant the card game no no <laughs> And I was like, maybe I could have. No, gone. no, no. <laughs> you got burned at the stake for that. But, but there was, there were these, there were these uh, long-handled. Um, they probably doubled uh, also as offering baskets, but long-handled, and they would go up and down the row. And if somebody was falling asleep, they'd poke them. Yeah, and I and I feel like it's it's important not to fall too far off the cliff in the other direction and and romanticize the, you know, Victorian and colonial age for, you know, boy, did they know how to use words. Yes, they did. But uh, this this same kind of chronological shame that we can have, uh, it's really, you can we can also have a little bit of chronological hubris because the, the intimacy of relationships and things like that, I feel like there was a difference there. You know, the ability to be able to talk and 
you know, uh, somebody face to face in the street and have it have it not have the same formality all the yeah, time. Right. I feel like people would go crazy if if you took somebody back to that time. They'd be like, everybody I meet is the worst. <laughs> like, they have buckles on their hats. Golly. And so there are uh, there's just differences. I think that's yeah. what we're saying. There's yeah. differences in communication uh, between now. And the 1700s. And we're glad you tuned in to find out that there's a difference. <laughs> right. This is probably you, a startling revelation you, to all of our listeners. You audience. might have been driving me and like, I'll tell you one thing's the same, how we talk now and how we used to 300 years ago. But we want to disabuse you of that. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how we talk now and how to do it more effectively. Welcome back to The Bright Side. We are talking about nonverbal communication and different types of ver verbal communication. We're talking about communicating beyond just your words. That's I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with the guy who said that's right, Dr. And you Joel just, Hunter. And you just did that with a pause. You know, we are talking about, and that creates suspense. Oh, that's, oh you know what? See? That's good. I didn't even realize. I, I learned that from you. <laughs> you, Dad. I learned it from you. Thank you, son. But in a good version, not the not the smoking marijuana version. That's, remember that famous commercial? <laughs> no. Oh, he finds marijuana in the kid's room, and then he's like, he's like, Look, I'm so dis and he's like, and he's like, who taught who taught you about that? And he's like, you dad, oh, I learned no. it from you. Oh, and then you and then you realize that the dad he was a huge hypocrite. Oh. Uh, that's uh, yeah. These days that commercial wouldn't fly because marijuana is just it's, it's around it's legal everywhere now. <laughs> I know. Um, well, not Florida, but a lot of places. Yeah. Today we're talking about communicating beyond <laughs> words and, and uh, marijuana, and also marijuana. <laughs> not sure how we went down that rabbit trail. We try to throw in just a little bit of talk about that on every on every episode. <laughs> So we were talking about uh, the idea of, of communicating and it not just being about the specific words you're saying, right. um, but, but about the body language and the tone of voice that you have with it. So that's on the communicative side of it. Um, what about on the receptive side of it? Well, I think there's a, there's a job or better, better put, an opportunity all of us have when we're trying to elicit communication to make it easier for people to talk. Mm -hmm. um, many times when we are talking with people, we're asking like yes or no questions, um, or we're asking um, about facts that they may or may not be able to get. And how does that make you feel? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I feel under pressure. I don't feel like I'm going to measure up. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> it cuts the conversation pretty short, or it, or it, uh, it elicits um, very brief answers that don't really... If if we can ask more open-ended questions, mm -hmm. kind of like, tell me about the time you, mm -hmm. um, um, or um, why do you think it is that, mm -hmm. then then people are free to go wherever they want to and not just answer your question, but able, able to um, express their opinion and kind of their own experience, which gives you a better idea of who they are instead of the information they want you to have. Yeah, I, I like that. And one of the things that's uh, an opportunity that you have with the receptive part of communication, being a better listener and trying to be able to understand better what somebody is saying and, and why they're saying it, interpreting all this other stuff we've been talking about, mm -hmm. their tone and their body language, uh, it requires you to cultivate uh, a, a habit that is very, very helpful, uh, and I, I'd say necessary to live a really you know fulfilling life, 
of being genuinely interested in yeah, somebody else. Yeah. Uh, because there's a certain amount of fakery that you can pull off in casual conversation. Yeah. But in order to form the level of relationship, you know, that people get fulfillment out of, uh, there's there's a necessity to be genuinely interested in what absolutely, somebody else has to say. Absolutely, and it's I feel like it's hard to have enough to be interested in if all you're asking is yes or no questions. Well, and and people have fascinating stories. Like when I'm the, every once in a while, I get the privilege of talking with a homeless person in in a park, and and the first question I always ask is, "So where are you from?" Because everybody, hmm. you know, is is from someplace, and they usually acquaint that with some sort of nostalgia and so on and so forth. And then I'll say, "What was it like there?" And 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 they'll spin these stories of what they what they were chi- their, their, they were like, like as a kid, who their family was, what they experienced, and it's fascinating stuff. I don't mm. you don't have to fake fascination; it's really fascinating stuff. So we we need to be able to do that with each other. So uh, if you're uh, following it on the whole uh, fake it till you make it thing, say mm-hmm. you're listening to this and you're like, I'll tell you one thing, I don't find anyone interesting. Uh, <laughs> there's like three people that I want to hear and nobody else. Uh, and so however, they would find that in their work life, in their you know social groups, it would be helpful if they had better listening skills. Yeah. Um, there was this one article in uh, Inc., yeah. Magazine yeah. Uh, that had a couple of uh, of of helpful tips on how to do that. Uh, which one did you? Which ones did you like? I like <clears throat> I like the <clears throat> pardon me. I like the the hint that they said when you're listening to somebody, kind of lean toward them. I mean, not in the spooky, creepy kind of way. They go, <laughs> I touch noses. <laughs> <laughs> when it said, look, you know, look at them, it, it also said, I don't mean look, stare at them. <laughs> yeah, you like, know, stare I into did their like eyes. how they clarified that. They're like, <laughs> normal people need some break in that's eye right, contact. That's right. Yeah. Look away every once in a while. Yeah. But, but, you know, it indicates that you are interested, that you are anticipating, that you are engaged if you lean forward. Yeah. And, and a lot of human behavior, your, your, the where you're thinking, Thoughts will follow is it will follow what your body language is, is doing. Right. Um, and, that's right. and that's, I mean, that's true even just with moods. There's all those studies where if you have somebody smile, even if they're not feeling particularly happy, uh, there's, there's measurable change in their mood. And if you have somebody right. frown, same idea. If you, if you do lean forward and nod while someone's talking and make sure that you're looking at them, not a creepy amount, but just <laughs> enough that you're engaged with them. You're not thinking about, you know, uh, I just, my phone just buzzed. I have a text. I should check yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, the, the natural result of that isn't that you'll find, boy, this is torture. It's that you, you really will be interested in, yeah. in what they're saying. Unless they're boring. <laughs> That's a chance you got to take. It's a chance you got to take. You know, if you, if you never take a shot, you'll never score, you know? So, uh, but, but there's, uh, there's, there's far more interesting people than there are boring people, you That's know? Right. And there, and there's that one saying, you know, if you, uh, walk out the door and you see a jerk, uh, and the rest of your day is normal, then you met a jerk. If you walk out the door and you see a jerk and then in traffic, you see, you see a bunch of jerks and there's a bunch of jerks at work. That means you're the jerk. Uh, I, I feel like that same thing That's is true right. of every of of if you find everyone uh, boring and self-involved That's right, or subpar. That, That's yeah, right. that might be an indication <laughs> that you might want to just try a little harder to to engage with people uh, because all this stuff is just uh, it's the reason we're talking about this in the first place is just that being helpful, having relationships. It's we're made for that stuff, yeah, you know. Exactly. Um, and so uh, it's this. I'm trying not to just crowbar this in too hard, but that's that's the whole idea behind the simple help thing. It is. Uh, it's 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 not just 
I went out and uh, listened to people today. All of this stuff is means to an end, which is to have relationships and to be helpful to the people around us. That's right. And make the world better. Know that you made the world better. Most people doubt um, or they have doubts if they've gotten anything good accomplished in their day. Um, they'll, they'll be discouraged at night or they'll wonder um, if the world <clears throat> is any better because they lived. Uh, if you uh, go to simple.help on your browser and you uh, perform acts of uh, goodness and kindness every day, you'll never have to doubt that again. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of people will chase uh, money or popularity and all, and, and it's not like there's anything inherently wrong with those, but the most consistently happy group of people are the people that spent time trying to help others. Right. And, and it's, it's really hard to find exceptions to that. You can find rich people that are really happy they helped others, and you can find really poor people that are really happy That's they right. helped others. But it's a leveling factor. Uh, that's something that uh, we wanted to communicate. Yes. Uh, you know, and we, we, we were and we were gesturing the whole time. We were gesturing. We tried to do it verbally, non-verbally. I, I was leaning forward. <laughs> it has been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> we'll see you next time on The Bright Side. <laughs>